The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello and cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. That's going to sound great going? in the mic. My I name is like Jonathan Dornbush. Super scary to do that over here. It's fine. So you you spilled Diet Coke last week, so That's it's fine. Sure, just continuing the trend. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, everyone, and this is Beyond Episode 600, the 600th episode of our weekly PlayStation show. Thank you. Thank you. One guy clapping is so it's, sad. And I'm really impressed with us for actually doing this and not skipping this one and <laughs> saying we're going to no, later. Nobody jo- join me. It's just it's okay, Brian. You clap like you want uh, someone to hop up on your hand and sit there. <laughs> Come on, sit up. Can Come we on. CGI a little like this is how in there? I attract An smurfs? Elf. Yeah, <laughs> smurfs. Uh, the the man attracting smurfs to my right is <laughs> Brian Altano. Rap rap. Thank you for joining us, Brian. Uh, also joined this week by Lucy O'Brien. I don't have a cool catchphrase. It's fine. You have a weird way of clapping that we can make fun of? Oh, in New Zealand, we clap, we clap like this. No f***ing way. That, that <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, yeah, this is going to be an edit. Thing. Really? I fell for that. <laughs> uh, also joining us this week is Max Scoville. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Hey. Thanks for having me. In this, I, this is the first time I'm recording anything in this room. It's weird. You're just listening to the audio. It's probably also weird because you don't know what I'm talking about. We have a new studio. This is the thing. This is the first time all four of us have been in the studio together. You guys did one, two? I think two. Okay. Done a couple. You know, one thing I will never get used to is this. For those listening at home, Lucy just skated away on her chair and it keeps sliding. I think because the room is slanted. Yeah. So slippery. Yeah. What are the acoustics? Bash it's, so far. It feels like it's a kind of echoey in here. Is it? Do we like it? It doesn't sound <laughs> did it really. Echoey, it, like did it really quickly like kick yeah. off as I slowly slid <laughs> I back? Think so, yeah. Uh, anyway, of course, as you may have already guessed, this is the show where we talk about nothing but PlayStation week in and week out for 600 weeks. Some might even say yeah. uh, we, some weeks are busier than others. Yeah, it happens. Uh, but we actually do have a decent amount of PlayStation things to talk about this week. So I figured we could jump as Max kind of slides away. I don't. I don't really know what he's doing. Uh, we're going to just slide into News Crunch, though. Anyway, this is our weekly segment where hopefully the sounds work. And also, we talk about the biggest news going on in PlayStation. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of interesting sales stuff that we want to talk about this week. But first, I want to mention that the next PlayStation 4 first-party exclusive you'll get to play on your PS4 is not Death Stranding. But in fact, Concrete Genie. Uh, Concrete Genie developed by Pixel Opus. The team behind Entwine now has a release date. It's coming out October 8th for $29.99. 
a little bit of a lower price than you might expect from first party standard. Uh, it's currently available for pre-order. It also will include a PSVR mode in it. It will have a cool new photo mode where essentially you get to show a time lapse of your creations. So the game, you have a magical paint press that lets you paint on the walls with all these crazy, beautiful, dazzling little uh, things from your sketchbook. And in this version, you get to show off what that process looks like, which I think is a pretty cool creative touch for photo mode. No, totally. You just played this recently. I right? did, yes. I also I have a preview up on IGN right now. I got to play about an hour and a half of it. I played the first hour or so uh, from right when the game opens the opening cutscene through the first two chapters I think or so uh, and then I skip to the third act where they put us in for a different there's a like gameplay twist that happens later on there um, but I really enjoyed it have any of you guys gotten to play it at nope, past no. events uh, it's been one of those things where I think it's been like in the Sony preview booths a lot of the time but we're also there to like preview Days Gone or God of War or Spider-Man and obviously like with those marquee names we've gravitated toward those in the past. Move aside, Concrete Genie. <laughs> but um, I actually really, really enjoyed my time with this game and if it's not one you've been keeping an eye on, I definitely would recommend to. It's a weirdly like serene experience. Uh, the main gameplay mechanic, there's some light platforming and collectibles and everything, but the main gameplay mechanic is this painting thing. So essentially you have this sketchbook, uh, your character Ash has a magic paintbrush and you get to draw all over the walls of this fictional city called Denska. It's like a seaside sort of shanty town. Um, you get to draw anything from, you know, different patches of grass to a starry night to trees. And you get to, there's sort of always a like base to what these things are going to look like. Uh, like a patch of grass is always going to look like a patch of grass, but you can adjust the size of it. You can adjust the angle. You can tweak and kind of craft these scenes that you want. And basically you're going through this world trying to literally paint light back into the city. Oh. Um, and so it's this really like positive, uh, positive, uplifting story. You're actually, there's a like underlying theme as well. Uh, Ash is being bullied. It all starts off because uh, these bullies ripped all the pages out of a sketchbook. And so you're going to collect those pages and that gives you more options to paint. Um, and it's kind of about the cycle of bullying and how you can maybe possibly stop that with art. Um, so it's like a gritty reboot of Harold and the Purple Crayon. Kind basically, of. yeah. Uh, a little bit of escapism, but you're also putting some light back in the world. Yes. Kind of like the never ending story. Yeah. Uh, and what you get to do is instead of uh, anyone to ride through the skies, you get to paint genies that are 2D and stay on the walls of this town. But essentially, you get to create genies that are per uh, permanent through the whole game. So if you draw a genie in level one, you can still find it later on in the game, I've been told. Um, but essentially, you create these guys, and they're basically like your pets, like they're helper buddies who will follow you around the world. And depending on how you draw them, uh, again, there's like a whole list of presets you can choose from, but you get to draw the guy and the genie and if you want to make him long he'll kind of act more like a silly puppy who follows you around all happily if you draw them really small and squat they'll like bounce around if they're tall they're more like the where the wild things are monsters but you can also add tails and arm or they have arms and legs but you can add tails and different appendages some things that look like wings so if you add a bunch of the developers were telling me like a bunch of spikes to a small guy the intention was to make him sort of like a napoleon complex guy who's like got a little bit of a kick to him and stuff like that and you're but, drawing all this like freehand or is it kind of pieced together of like with different elements you've sort of collected so it, it's elements that you collect over time so if you're drawing say a starry night you essentially or the stars that you can draw you essentially pick it from your sketchbook and you use the motion controls of the dual shock you find the place on the wall you want to paint 
press the R2 button and kind of guide as it would go. So it's kind of like Bob Ross with the fan brush. Yes. Okay. Yeah. How does yeah. the motion, how are the motion controls? Really tight. Uh, they have a really good system of letting you reset the center of gravity for it. So if you misalign, depending on how you're playing, but like I was hanging back in a chair, just casually sitting there and able to create stuff pretty easily. Um, and I like, even within that hour, I started to get an attachment to these genies. I really liked these characters I was creating and wanted to see more of this world and sort of fill it out. Uh, and then they jumped me to the third act of the game where they just put us into this gameplay scenario because there's no combat early on in the game, but there is in the third act. Uh, and I was speaking to the developers. This twist was always part of their game pitch. Like, it was not a thing they found late in development. But uh, toward the end of the game, you get essentially the, the ability to skate magically on your paint. Uh, it's kind of like almost coal from Infinite gliding smoothness to it. Um, it's really, it, I thought the locomotion worked really well. But then essentially there are these dark genies that have appeared and it's your job to stop them from causing chaos um, and sucking the light out of the world. But what I really liked about these scenarios was that the fights themselves didn't really feel like fights. I've been trying to describe it as like, it was kind of like there's this wild animal that has been unleashed in a town and you're trying to tame it to prevent it from hurting itself and the world around it. Um, so like as I was doing it, it wasn't like a, I got to beat this thing down. It was like, oh, I need to protect it and save the it and this world. Uh, but basically, you get the ability to use different elemental abilities that you have to take down shields and then its health to fight it. Um, it's definitely a smaller, more focused game than most Sony first party games. I think mm -hmm. we're sounds, used to. That sounds great. But I love it. Like yeah. I, I loved what I played, and it was kind of one of those things where it's so. It's such a positive game, and it's so sincere in the messaging it's trying to get across, mm -hmm. and its love of art. Like, I was talking to the developers, and um, one of the directors on the game, he lived in Bristol in England, and he was like, yeah, we used art a lot in our community to bring life back into the world. And then our gameplay director, one of the members of the gameplay team, Pixel Opus is only 17 people. Uh, we went to go visit the studio in the Sony buildings, and it's just a group of 17 people working together on this game. Uh, and it's pretty incredible the amount of art and the amount of assets they've all been able to generate together with some help from you know other Sony first-party studios. But yeah, they, they really want to get this positive message across. That's really, which... that's really impressive. I've been like sort of just not very interested in this, but I, yeah. I think that could work to its advantage. And actually, I, might, I mean, it sounds like it's got a lot of cool stuff going on. And... Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, I think it's going to sneak up on a lot of people, and I think if it is a like ten to twelve hour experience, they can the mechanics feel like they can support that length of a game and still be satisfying throughout because there is you're dealing with a preset of things you can express your creativity with, but after that, it is paint what you want and create it as you want, and I think there's a lot of fun that you can do there. I really hope that it resonates with kids. Yeah, like <clears throat> you know, we're going through another one of those. Is Fortnite damaging and addictive and blah blah blah? You know, because of the focus on the Fortnite World Cup and like you're seeing all these mainstream uh, media outlets kind of get on that tired train. And it's just really nice that there are things like this that exist where you can just go actually like there's this as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. not that I believe any of that crap about Fortnite, but I like, heard that it, Fortnite killed uh, several hundred kids who were dancing too much. And they they learned the dances in the game and they imitated them. That's true. A lot of people try to build yeah. structures themselves using cardboard, and then they fall. Yeah, beyond your show I, for 100 percent accuracy. Yeah. I love Fortnite. I think it's great. Even when I'm wow. not playing it, I'm really glad it exists. I think people have a blast with it. I think it's like fun and goofy and endearing. I think like the pay, the sort of pay, you know, like sort of uh, cosmetic play. stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. just it is brilliant and it's a lot of fun. And I think it's a great thing for the industry. And yep. agreed. Like uh, I don't know, I, there are way 
way bigger things to be mad about than that, especially, you know, within the confines of the of the mm. stuff that we cover on a day-to-day basis. I, think. I was kidding. I don't think that anyone has died imitating <laughs> dances from Fortnite. <laughs> you don't know. You never know, though. They could, yeah. they could have. It could have happened. Mm. I actually had, like, an amazing... I went to a baseball game um, a couple of months ago, and the camera zoomed in on this little girl in the crowd very seriously doing the floss. But like with just a serious look at it, like, like kids take dedica- it so serious, like dedicated, yeah. like serious look. And she knew the camera was on her. Right. She knew that she was in the spotlight. One of the funniest things that I've ever seen, though, was my friend Connor, who was like in his 30s, was really drunk. And this was at my wedding last year. And he was trying to impress my nephews who are like 11 and 13. He was like, "You guys like Fortnite? You think that's pretty? I can do. I can do the, the. I can do the dance." And he just did one of the dances, and they were both just like, "Like I've never seen like children cringe so hard in person." <laughs> and it was just, it was just like beautiful. It was so, it was so awful. It was embarrassed for everyone involved. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had been there to see that. I did, I missed that part of the. You night. guys have MySpace. Yeah, it was very much like, a, "How do you do, fellow kids?" And yeah. I was like, "Go sit down, Connor. You're mm-hmm. too drunk." Um, well, whether the kids are dancing at home at Fortnite, perhaps they are playing a recently released game called Wolfenstein Youngblood. I hope the children aren't playing might. the Wolfenstein. You know, I, think I they really might hope be. they're not. I played Wolfenstein when I was a, a little one. So. They had like three graphics then. Sorry, I said it's a little true. one earlier. I mean, to be honest, though, <laughs> as far as like games that you can illicitly play, the Wolfenstein series is pretty okay. Yeah. Like I've been playing Youngblood and it's just... It's just Nazi guts, you know? Yeah. That's the only thing that is p- possibly offensive about it. And even then, it's so cartoony. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's... Brian, it, you've been playing a bit too. Yeah, right? I have yeah. too. It's, and it's... Um, I think, like, the... the I, I don't find this game even remotely offensive. <laughs> I, what I'm offended by is the fact that it, like, it sort of masks the fact that it's a multiplayer experience by uh, saying... For single players, like it, all of the setups and the sort of like the 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 window dressing around this game feels like you're faking a multiplayer game to be a single player game, and that's yeah. sort of annoying as somebody who loves single player games and wants to sit down and play a new story driven single player game from Bethesda. Like there are, I mean, I've interviewed writers that have worked on this franchise and they're brilliant people, and to take all of that and to sort of put it in this place where, like, to start a single player campaign you have to host a match. That's, yeah, I just feel icky about that sort of like wording. You know, so there's there's my offense culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I'm enjoying it. Like I I'm en- I'm not enjoying it as a Wolfenstein game. Like yeah. I mm-hmm. really like God. Wolfenstein Two was just I think it was my game of the no because Breath of the Wild. Wait, when did Wolfenstein Two come out? I want to say 2016, but I'll look it up. Yeah, so I, I think it was maybe my second. I will say I do like that. I feel like this game kind of hits the ground running early on, which is pretty cool. Like yeah, it gets going a little quicker than some of the last few have. I just like for me, it's it, you know you bring up that multiplayer stuff. Like the thing that I really dislike is there was so many sort of um, to use a word that our review editor Dan Stapleton hates. Uh, so many great set pieces in Wolfenstein Two, particularly like just just whole sections of the game where I was just like. This is incredible. This is yeah. like this is blowing my mind. And I've experienced nothing on that level so far. And I'm about fifteen hours in. I mm. I, I will say that like I feel like a lot of the level design of this game is actually sort of cumbersome. It um, is, yeah. And there's a lot of backtracky stuff. There's a I lot hate of, the backtracking. I'm just yeah. like, Ugh, I'm doing the same thing over and over. Like, I've already done this. I'm doing it again. Well, it's sort of just like you're in this world with like infinitely powered weapons and like Nazi robots and all yeah. this crazy over the top sci fi stuff. And they're like, find a floppy disk and open a door. And you're yeah. like, I know that ultimately, like, we have to barricade, you know, sections of, of games to 
let the narrative lead along and, and give people something to do. Um, but I'd be totally okay with just like mowing through environments and having a door open at the end. Like I feel like double or triple tripling back and like having to search corners for like, uh, like a little key. It is definitely vintage Bethesda that doom does that a lot. Um, old Wolfenstein games do that a lot, mm. but I feel like level design just felt a little bit stronger back then. Like, this I don't feel definitely. like it's, it's strongest suited to this game. Co-developed by Arcane, wasn't mm -hmm. it? So they've got some of the sort of the wide open stuff that you'd see in Dishonored, but in Wolfenstein, which seems almost sort of at odds with itself, because mm -hmm. Wolfenstein is so much of like a murder fantasy, like power simulator. Weirdly enough, Hitler a lot of the, the environments, face. at least from what I play so far, are sort of like more corridor driven. Oh. Like they feel a little bit more cramped. They do I open up yeah, a little bit. Like I don't, because I'd actually completely forgotten that Arcane had worked on it. And if you'd had told me that, I mean, I, I just wouldn't have picked it up. Yeah. Like I love Dishonored and I love, again, it's so much about how they use verticality as well as, you know, the corridor stuff and, uh, not really feeling it in this one. Mm -mm. Again, it's just so much backtracking. It's all just kind of blurs into one rubbly space. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's like, uh, like it's 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 fun to shoot Nazis, right? It's, it's fun. It's really fun. Like it's fun it's to mow really down really bad fun. guys. Yeah, yeah. The, the weapons are great. Um, yeah. The upgrade system gets a little wonky. Like it's sort of, I'm not really sure where to put points sometimes. And leveling up is kind of weird. Yeah. Like I'm not used to that in Wolfenstein. It's just, it's like I went I went into, because uh, um, you know how you can go to the catacombs and then you can kind of choose wh what quest you want to take on. So I took on a quest that was um, way advanced for my level. And I, you know, got like smack bang in there and I was shooting this Nazi, like just a grunt. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> he was just standing there. Just and I was it. like, look at all these bullets coming in your stomach. And he was like, what? No, I'm good. Thanks. This, yeah. um, I would say this sort of feels like a, like a far cry new dawn of yeah. Wolfenstein. Yeah. It definitely Maybe. feels billed that way. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's even budget price. So like, and I, like, that's a weird thing. I was talking about this with Max the other day. There's like a weird pushback against budget price games now because um, I used to think people would be like video games are 60 bucks, but this new one's 30 or 40. Mm -hmm. That's a great deal for me. And I think a lot of people look at it and I saw this happen with the um, Uncharted Lost Legacy where people were like, oh, if it's, if this is a budget price game, then that means it, should have been free DLC. And you're like, oh, well, that's a walk. Right. And Uncharted is a weird one, too, because it was initially promised as a DLC yes. that then grew to be much bigger. Yeah. But which, yeah, we, we do see these like eight to 12 hour games that mm -hmm. are sometimes put in $40, like Concrete Genie is going to be 30, which yep. I, th I think is awesome because that just means more people can afford that game if they're looking at lower price stuff. I totally agree. And I think like the pricing structure on video games in general is like a little weird because sometimes you'll pay 60 bucks for a game that lasts you eight hours. And sometimes you'll pay 60 for a game that you'll play the rest of your life. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I mean, I have that knee jerk reaction to sort of like the prices of things over the years. Like I, Buying an action figure is now like 20 is like baseline low. It used to be like seven or 10. Yeah. yeah. Buying like a trade paperback for comics, it used to be 10 and now it's like 15 or 20. Mm -hmm. And it's like things cost more, but like games have been consistently 60 bucks for what, for, 15 years? For a very long time, yeah. Which well, is it, sort of just, yeah. Apart from in New Zealand where 
they can you actually go have up to cut to off 1995. Because <laughs> you guys clap weird. You're being punished. <laughs> that's that's not even a good sound. The video game developers are like, clap for us louder. We're like, this uh, is, yeah. this is, this is that's good all we can, can do. do. <laughs> but I, I will say, I will say, this game oh is totally, you know, like I, it's, it, I think it scales to its budget, which is a weird thing to say. Because yeah. I, I don't know what that means. Like, movie tickets are the same price no matter what movie you see. And, you know, I've been seeing a lot of, like, I saw, this year I've seen Endgame, Midsummer, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and all those movies are, like, around the two-and-a-half-hour, two-hour, two 45-minute mark. Most of them don't feel like it. Um, but then you can also go see a movie that's, like, 70, 80 minutes, and it's the same price, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I will say that this game is, like, it's totally worth the 30 bucks or 40 bucks. But if you want to rent it and fly through it, you can do that too. Uh, you can probably finish the game in like 15 hours, but there's enough to do for 30. Like yeah, there's a I, lot. There's a lot in there. I would say that you are pretty encouraged to grind mm -hmm. in order to get through some of the story missions. Yeah, um, just because of that bullet sponginess that I mentioned before. So yeah, yeah you will be grinding a little. And uh, for reference, just before anyone writes in and tells me I was wrong, uh, Lucy Wolf 2 was 2017. Ah. It came out on that catastrophic day that was also Assassin's Creed Origins <sighs> and Mario Galaxy. Or yep. uh, Odyssey, excuse me. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that was there that. you go. I think that was also the release of like Jigsaw, the movie. I had to write like three articles about that day for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was like this insane pop culture day. That was I a crazy year in general. Yeah. I do remember that year because people were like, this is the craziest pop culture day in history. And they listed all the games and then they listed Jigsaw. And I was yep. like, that's not really that big. Yeah. <laughs> Jigsaw can kind of can leave that off. Oh, that's so cute that they thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to write that. I was the cute one. <laughs> anyway, moving on from that, I uh, also <laughs> want to mention uh, we didn't attend any of ourselves, but QuakeCon just happened. Uh, we learned a lot more about Doom Eternal multiplayer. We have a lot of coverage of that on IGN. Uh, Doom 1, 2, and 3 were made available on every platform in existence. Which launched an amazing set of memes where yes. people, uh, basically, if you wanted to play this game on day one, you had to log in with a Bethesda Net account for the first time, and I was playing it on Switch, and I had to create a wireless hotspot, a wireless hotspot on my phone on the bus to connect Doom to my phone to play a on your Switch. Yeah, but I mean, to be, to be fair, Doom is brand new. That's true. It's <laughs> a brand new game. That's true. That you need the internet to do it. From 2016. Yeah. I'm actually, I, I heard rumors that Doom 64 might be coming. Yeah, that's yeah. been a rumor that's yep. also been circulating just got recently. I've never played that one. I'm, um, I have weirdly fond memories of Doom 64, hmm. and I also feel like a little bit a little bit filthy for being like, mm, I want to play an old N64 game with a PS4 controller. It got a, <laughs> like there was an ESRB listing for that game for PlayStation, which is just like super interesting. I'm like, I don't know. I'm I'm very happy about that. I would I would love to see, in lieu of the fact, and we lament this constantly, that Sony doesn't just drag and drop all their classic games on a PS4. Here's hoping they do that for PS5. Why it, not? It's cool to see other thir like third parties take legacy games like old 64 games and put them on on PS4. Um, I think Turok, Turok, Turok 2 also, is coming out next yeah. week. So, like, yeah, let's... let's. I let's really see. hope we, we get more of the games that have titles based on the platform they were on. Those are yes. always my favorite, like Doom 64, things like that. Like, every DS game that found mm -hmm. a way to put D and S in their titles. <laughs> I hope those just all come to PS4 one day. I know. A bunch <laughs> of games with 64 on PS4 is a really funny thing. It's amazing. Um, anyway, moving on from that one to talk about some recent sales figures that we got. Uh, with a quarter of the fiscal year ending, obviously everyone was reporting their financial results. And... 
PlayStation announced that the PS4 has officially sold and shipped 100 million units worldwide to retailers as of the three-month quarter that ended on June 30th, 2019. Um, so in Q1, they had announced that 3.2 million PS4s had been sold, uh, which brought it to 96.8 million. So roughly about 3.2 million were sold uh, mm-hmm. in the last three months. Um, that is obviously a really huge number. And senior analyst uh, Daniel Ahmad, who we've heard from a lot uh, from Nico Partners, he noted that is the fast, excuse me, fastest home console. I don't know why I said fastest to reach 100 million units. Between those New York accents, yeah, that's true. Uh, 100 million units selling at five years and seven months since its launch. Uh, that beats the PS2's record, which was five years and nine months to that same goal. Uh, also really interesting and worthy of note was that uh, in Q1 fiscal year 2019, the PS4 game software digital download ratio was 53%, meaning that more people purchased and downloaded digital PS4 soft- software. 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 God, it's just Long Island is back in my mouth. Um, don't... Don't clip that sound bite out. Thank you. Um, (sighs) That means just more digital PS4 software was purchased than physical copies. That's which is crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack here, and I I love all this stuff. Um, I'm such a dork for this crap, which is weird because I like I was terrible at every math class I ever took. I hate all that stuff. Um, This is incredibly fascinating. First of all, that they're outpacing the PS2, their most successful console. Uh, Secondly, because this isn't this isn't like intrinsically connected to also being a like front end media device that people are getting for the first time. Yeah. Like the PS2 was one of those things where it was just like, yes, this is a game console, but also you have a DVD player in your house. It's amazing. You can watch like the most cutting edge movies anywhere you <laughs> but want. But it's true. My, like my ex's mom had a PS3 yeah. because it was a Blu-ray player. Right. And the PS4 is a Blu-ray player. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I just watched the Fury yeah. Seven. Yeah, so yeah, it's not a four. It's not a four K Blu Ray player, but that's you know, it's okay. But um, we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't talk about that. I bought the PS4 Pro, forgetting that fact, yeah. and we were really excited. And we bought four four or yeah, four four K Blu Rays. We're like, can't wait to watch the. Oh, I'll just use the normal Blu Ray for now. Yeah, that's 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 a weird a weird miss. We'll look back yeah. negatively on. It was a cost saving measure, um, but anyway. But the fact that. Uh, this this exists almost solely as a video game console. Yes, I know people use it for Netflix and everything else, but you have that on a plethora of devices. But this is, this is a front and center, like hardcore video game machine. And Sony specifically, this generation has been, you know, they've done some PSVR stuff that has PS Move and stuff like that. But for the most part, they weren't really chasing the blue ocean strategy. They weren't really like, we're going for casuals. They are like, we are going for a massive hardcore demographic. Their output of first and second party platforms and, and, and studio and, and their games show for that. And the result is some of the best success they've ever seen before. And that was so ahead of Sony in that regard. Yep. Like just so, so much smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, did I say ahead of Sony? Some, uh, so much far ahead of Microsoft in that regard. It's also ahead of Sony. It's ahead of their strategy the last few times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But like, We're beating uh, ourselves. <laughs> but, but, you know, I remember when... Uh, Xbox was presenting the Xbox One and yep. Sony was presenting the PS4 and it was just like sports, you could sports, not sports, have been TV, they could have TV, not TV. been more different in terms of yep. their strategies and it was just one so obviously paid off and one just yep. so <laughs> fell flat in the yep. water. It's been what they've been digging themselves so out, out of from. ever yeah. since then. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just crazy. It's just crazy how Sony was just like, no, we know we know what is what people want we know that this is a games console and every single e3 has that has been the focus yeah yeah um 
Now, as for the digital sales, that I find tremendously interesting. This is the first time that's ever tipped the scales. Yeah. Ever, ever in, in history. And that's huge. Uh, and I've said this before, but I think that like a lot of people are sort of getting a bum deal on this one because as the industry has moved more digital and the audiences have as well, um, the value of cutting out trucks and brick and mortar and employees and all that has not been passed down upon us. We still pay 60 bucks, you know? And we don't really, we don't get a manual or anything like that. And then people who buy the game. We don't get that passionate GameStop employee. Yeah, we don't get that. And the I people, can say that because I used to work at EB Games. People who buy the game physically, they, they don't get shit either anymore. Yeah. Like, so their, their case got flimsier. It's got that giant recycle logo in it. It explodes when you drop it. Um, there's no manual. There's no cool f uh, full color poster or anything like that. You got to go buy this $200 special edition for that. So this is probably extremely worrisome for anybody running a brick and mortar video game store, specifically GameStop. Uh, they have to be looking at this and being like, I honestly think that they are just sort of like, they're shuffling to the finish line, the end of this generation. And people will buy next gen consoles from them and they'll get this huge boost and there'll be a year or two where they, things are revitalized again. Um, and then after that, I think it's like, it's dangerous. And well, I don't... Well, they're doing all this retro store stuff now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so they're actually, they're pushing for a, lo a lot of in initiatives to make their stores more sort of like interesting to be in. Like you can, they want to do more like demos. They want to do more events. The problem is the real estate of these stores is the size of like, it's like the size of like a cell phone store, you know? Like it's like, it's not like they have a Best Buy style space where they can be like, we're a Dave and Buster's now. Like we're an arcade, come hang out. Like they're still pretty tiny stores. A lot of them are, you know, in the back of a mall behind also, the haunted when Sears. You, when you look at how real estate is used, like they don't need to be that big. Mm -mm. Yeah. It's actually kind of ridiculous that they do have shelf space for people. They should go all digital. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, have like a digital menu where you pick your thing from the drop down and then it, somebody goes in the back and gets the disc. But like totally, the fact that it's all... Like it's it's all like empty cases on the shelves. Well, and then maybe the clearance rack where there's actually stuff in there. But like, I, I that's actually a really that's a really interesting. Like, you go to Best Buy and it's like you're you're getting like a TV and it's like that's a thing that physically takes up that much space. I find but it a game I, is. I would find it really interesting if like the last bastion of physical media in in North America at the very least um, would be a mostly digital experience in a store. Yeah. Because I, I, mean, I think people are looking for that tangible. But you're right. I mean, that would sh save a lot of shelf space. But I mean, that also ties into the, like, wanting to move toward more of an experiential storefront. Like, yep. Toys R Us is coming back and doing that same thing where they're like, we're going to make it a store where kids can play the games and demo yep. things before they buy it. And the same with the company that's working with Toys R Us on that is a company called Beta who has stores in San Francisco where mm -hmm. people, adults just go in and listen on Bluetooth headphones. Oh, like Beta's that. the store bringing back yeah, Toys R Us? they're working uh, with them, yeah. So I used to it, live a few blocks from one of those stores. That is like... Yeah, that is that is a like a fake store from Watch Dogs Two turned into real life. Yeah, like it is uh, a San Francisco parody. I think I know the one you're talking about because it's right next to a Salt and Straw. Yes, and it always looks like oh, there's a lot of people going to bed. Oh no, they're just waiting mm -hmm. for ice cream. That's all it is. Yeah, oh, that's so sad. Um, I just want to say that I used to go into game stores primarily to buy hardware and hardware add-ons, just you know things that like I just couldn't be bothered to order from Amazon. And I went into a GameStop recently to get a Nintendo Switch charger, just thinking that's a really basic thing <laughs> that they would have. Mm -hmm. Like a really fun, like what are the fundamentals? You know, everyone's always like, I need you a mean Switch like the, charger. You mean like the cord? The cord. Yeah. Just the cord that you plug into the wall. Right. To charge it. 
and they didn't have it. And they were like, oh, I don't know. Like, we might be able to find you one in another store. I was like, all right. No, I was just dropping in here on a whim. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to like, wait for you to call <laughs> another store and then wait for the order to come in and mm-hmm. then come back here. I was just walking past. Yeah. And, like, it, weirdly, that's where, like, like uh, sort of vintage, retro, and independent game, game stores thrive. Because I think a lot of them um, live off of the sort of the impulse of situations like that where someone's like, my AC adapter died or like my controller's dead. I need a new one this afternoon. I've had like very impulsive urges as I get older uh, to play games that I forgot about or like I'll mm. get in my head. And I'm like, oh man, I never, I never really played Contra DS. Like <laughs> I want that game. You're just walking past like, yeah. and, you're like oh. and then I go, I go online and I'm like, well, eBay is a, is a rat's nest of, of counterfeit copies and all this other stuff. Um, there's no retro game stores in San Francisco that, that I really, that I know of. And then I'll, I'll go on GameStop and I'll type it in and they're like, oh, the closest store that has this thing that's the size of a postage stamp, you know, that you could stick in an envelope uh, is like 100 miles away. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation. And I look it up on Amazon and they only have like a box retail copy that's still sealed. That's and it's like, $100,000. like 100, yeah. 150 bucks. And so like I, I wish, and this is what I like about them moving into a more retro direction. Because yeah. I think like if they were just sort of like, hey, come in and for like 30 bucks, we'll give you an N64 and three games or a PS1 and like, and Metal Gear. Like really bank on that kind of stuff. And, and, so, and say like, it's the anniversary of Metal Gear Solid 2. You know, come buy it for five bucks. Um, lean on the fact that we're getting old and nostalgic and we want to make impulse purchases with our extra money. Well, and Brian, to your point earlier about like the physical digital split, I think it's very much also a sign of what's being released right now. Yep. Uh, like I would say on the whole, considering all of the like major high profile mainstream games are free to play. Yeah. Like anyone who may have just gone to a GameStop to buy a game, downloaded Apex Legends and said, are still playing Fortnite or something along those lines. And all the other big releases like the Mortal Kombat and the Crash Team Racings are more for a like dedicated gaming audience. Yeah, so, which goes back to what I was saying before yeah. about like physical game owners are sort of getting robbed too because if you buy Mortal Kombat on day one on a disc and you bring it home and it needs an 8 gig update and you don't have the internet connection because you're like, I'm an old school physical guy or whatever it is, um, that game is basically dead in the water. Yeah. And so ultimately it will need to collect, connect to something digitally. Fortnite has physical editions. Why on earth would you get this? Crazy. Right? Yeah. There's just like a. I actually did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can you can buy a box copy of Fortnite. It's so I was imagining like some oh, some like sweet granny like coming into yep. the store and be like, oh, this is the I, Fortnite that I've been hearing. Well, I mean that's why it so exists. It, it, yeah. It's just it basically is like the game plus the amount of V bucks you could buy for that amount of money. Yes. Like, right. It, yeah. They're not like a scam monetarily. Like you're not losing money on the transaction. Maybe mm-hmm. besides some tax or whatever. But yeah, think of it as like for ten B- V bucks you can get a free box. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a. <laughs> but no, it's a strange new world out there. Brian, I do agree that very much. Like, the next year or two is going to make that uh, the brick and mortar game store sales landscape be weird because people are going to go into stores to yep. buy these new consoles, and I think it's going to shake up how things are going. Where everyone's going to be like, "Don't worry, we're all good now." But there's a reality we're all going to have to face in a few years of how these stores can adapt. It will definitely buy them like a couple more laps. Yeah, and we'll see what happens from there. But yeah, um, not I mean, you're, as you're on this article, you're showing me there's a there's a Google Stadia ad. Yes, like, yeah, that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, uh, one twenty nine according to our ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Sony noted in their fiscal year or their fiscal quarter report, there are now thirty six point two million PlayStation Plus subscribers. I almost just said thirty six point two. 
Uh, that is possible. Uh, it's down from last quarter where it was 36.4 million. So, yeah, because they took away the games. Every yeah, uh, but up from year over year where it was 33.9 million. And two of those subscriptions are mine. You have two? Yeah, because one is on my Australian account that I have just forgotten until right, right the second that I'm still paying for. Ooh. And the other is on my Loose America account. Is that the camera With no trophies on it. Username? It's something like, it is something like okay. Loose USA or something dumb. Prepare for a few friend requests. To come your way. Mm. Uh, anyway, moving on from that. Before we move on from news, I did want to mention briefly. We talked about it last week, but the trailer now is actually out. Uh, the Death Stranding Heartman trailer has been officially revealed. Uh, it was pr- pretty much just leaked, and then Sony was like, "Oh, by the way, here it is." Um, but Max, I want to get your thoughts on Heartman oh and the trailer. Um, so this is funny. This is Nicholas Winding Refn, the director of uh, Drive and Valhalla Rising, and a bunch of other stuff, uh, including the. Recent Amazon Prime show, uh, God, what's Too Old to Die Young. Too Old to Die Young, which also features Kojima in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh boy. Um, so he plays, or his body plays this character. He's not actually voicing the character, but he's... His likeness. His likeness. Kojima scanned him with his room full of cameras and then put him in the in the game. And he plays this guy who I guess like dies every 20 minutes or like dies for 20 minutes. Every, every 20 21 minutes. minutes he dies. Yeah. So, so we talked about this um, last episode primarily because in the description, in Kojima's description, right? Yeah. He said that he listens to music or like or just whatever. Enjoys pop culture. Pop that culture he things in. that only last 21 minutes. Which sucks because like removing commercials from most like sitcoms the 22 minutes 22 <laughs> so you do miss the part at the end where they freeze frame high five and laugh and roll you skip credits, the intro yeah that's a good idea skip the yeah, intro sure so enough. you basically never get to see like the the, the the simpsons theme song or anything like that, that. weird yeah watch uh, it the first time so i feel like this in a, in <laughs> a, in a, in a, a story bit this could, the last this could, 10 seasons too this could work really well as like a, a mechanic of like oh you've got you've got 20 minutes to get out in this world and do something I have no idea what this game is about. I don't understand <laughs> what. I still don't know what we're doing. Like, is this just a random character who's like, I he died? But yeah, like, will you be interacting with him on enough of a basis to notice him dying every twenty-one minutes, or will that just be a fun quirk for a cutscene? I mean, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like Fat Man in Metal Gear Solid Two, like to get drunk and rollerblade, but he also put down bombs. The fact that he put down bombs is really the only relevant part yeah. for the game. It's fair. You know, like I, there was a, the, you know, the guy with the bees. There's, I like, feel like I love that roller skating man. Yeah, I feel like in at this point in almost every Kojima game, we had sort of a more quantifiable understanding of what we, we'd be doing, like moment to moment while playing the game. We are. What about Metal Gear Solid Two? I I don't know what preview events for, were like or what we knew about that game two and a half months out. I mean, neither. But out. like, I still remember the general shock. At the fact that you weren't playing as Snake. There, yeah. there are still people who think that Death Stranding is a new Metal Gear game. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> maybe. Sorry, you, Sorry you people. Yeah. Maybe it is. Keep uh, hope alive. But no, like that, I mean, we. I think mechanically we understood what Metal Gear Solid 2 was a lot better. Yes, yeah. definitely. Uh, day we, and we, definitely we, with yeah. 5 by at uh, the, by this point. Oh, oh yeah. totally. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm dying to see what the... What the hell it is? Uh, I'm also like totally approaching that point where I'm like, I've seen enough. I don't want anything spoiled because Kojima does have the tendency to be like, I put a scene from the ending in the trailer, and you're like, you didn't need to do that. We could <laughs> also just play happens. your game, you strange man. Um, yeah, I feel like we're at a point with that game where no matter how much more they tell us, I just need to play it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I do like 
one of the biggest games of the fall, we generally all just have no idea what the hell we're going to be doing yeah. when we play that game. Yeah. I'm, Which like, is once again, great. I'm yeah. so excited to be like in a bar and look up to the TV and see an ad for this, and it's like starring Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead and Guillermo del Toro from movies. Sorry, you know? Madam President, I have this box to deliver. Yeah. And then he runs out. And it's just cut together like an action movie yeah. trailer, but Mads no. Mickelson from two nearly identical movies yeah. that launched within a month, and one was on Netflix and it was bad, but then one was in theaters and it was good, and one's called Polar, and the other one's called Icicle or something. <laughs> I was, I was and actually, Hannibal, which was critically acclaimed, but not enough people watched. Seven What's wrong canceled. with you? And it just goes into two minutes. Like, why didn't you watch it? <laughs> it was a gorgeous show. Honestly, Kojima... Cinematography is lost on you. Kojino, Kojima loves... <laughs> Mads so much. I would not be shocked if half of this game is just a lecture on why you should watch Hannibal. I, I'd yeah. be okay with like that. Like if that's if there's a character in this world who yep. talks about that. Uh, no, we uh, <laughs> Ryan McCaffrey and, and Dan Stapleton, who we work with and who uh, I will officially say are sometimes crab apples. Were like they were like I think they were like I don't know I think the game is going to be you know it's going to be it's going to be fine and people are going to be just like you're going to have a lot of critics just totally fawning over it and falling over themselves to pray. And I was like, yeah, man, it's a Kojima game, but also <laughs> look at it. Like, it doesn't look like everything else out there. Like, we get so many things that are like, oh, you go to space. There are zombies. Yep. It's, uh, you're a wizard. Like, for, there's, for, everything for, is so archetypal in games. You like, know? I know that, I know that I, I get a lot of hate still for my opinions, um, for my review of Days Gone. But I will say, like, Days Gone, I think this year was like, you could have just called it video game, the video game. And now there is another Sony first party game that's coming out that is basically looks like Days Gone's opposite. Mm -hmm. It's just it, it is so completely mm -hmm. non generic. It is like it is like the crazy aunt that lived in Days Gone's attic. Yep, it and it's now being let free. It looks like concept art that doesn't get used. Yeah, yeah. like it looks it's so totally. To and I mean, uh, you know, diff different different folks, different strokes or whatever. Like it, it I thought that Days Gone was very samey, and I was like, there's a lot of cool stuff here, but also, like, I don't know, I've played this game before in some form. I felt the same way about Horizon Zero Dawn, which is, you know, arguably a little bit more novel in that it's, you know, robot dinosaurs instead of zombies, but mm -hmm. it still was like, I'm like, these are all, this has the, the trappings of things I've done before. And then at the right. same time, I also, you know, sunk 10 hours into, like, Rage 2, even though that was also like that, you know? it's like it, I, I do think this is going to be a very sort of uh, kind of binary polarizing experience where some people are like this is the most riveting groundbreaking thing i've ever done i'm already exhausted like, but it's, it's yeah. i'm already yeah. exhausted by the discourse because it is going to be utter wank it's going to be such wank yeah. and it's just like we know that oh, and God, i'm just yeah. going i'm going into death stranding knowing that i know it's going to be self-indulgent mm -hmm. like digital masturbation yeah. and I'm so fine with that. <laughs> it's okay. And I'm just going to, unless it does, unless it's just a bad game, I'm just going to lean into that because I want something stupid and self-indulgent and and crazy and just, yeah, just we, Kojima. We, we've, we've adhered this negative connotation to the concept of pretentiousness uh, as if it's like always inherently bad. Yeah. And it's not. I think you can earn a victory lap here and there if you're fucking good at your shit. Mm -hmm. Like... Straight up. Like, I honestly think that every now and then you're allowed to, Sorry about that. Don't worry. You're, episode 600. I was trying not. The reason I couldn't actually, like, find the words is because I just wanted to swear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like, uh, swear all no, you no. want. I'll deal with it later. No, yeah. um, I'm sorry about that. The, you're fine. Like, I, I read this about a lot of pop, pop culture. I read a, a 
ton of reviews like for you know from like movies and and music and video games and everything outside of just like the the normal outlets so, like just like art artsy like when you see a movie and you walk out and you're like I want to talk to this you know with, with people or talk about this with people I, I I tend to do that and I also go read long diatribes about what works and what doesn't work and I read the word pretentious a lot and I, I think that like that is a weird word that we've co-opted to sort of be like Oh, it's a uh, navel gazy, and it it tries to sniff its own farts and be too interesting. And it's like, no, every now and then, it's okay to be that way. It's okay to sort of go weird in your own direction and not have a bunch of people stand in your way. I like, mean, I agree, but like, I do think there are pretentious games. Like, I absolutely. do think, I do think, um, Beyond Two Souls, yes. I found extremely pretentious. Yes. I think Quantic has, uh, um, unfortunately, has the tendency to veer towards self indulgence in a way that isn't isn't necessarily entertaining because it is very tropey and it's sort of treads mm -hmm. lines that we've seen before. It's like the guy in the flat cap on the bus wearing Catcher in the like reading Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh come on, dude. Like really like this is like you're gonna be that guy. When you see like a like a, a caged dove fly out, like <laughs> it's like okay. Like that's that is just like that is nonsense day one in art school exactly, community college exactly. symbolism. I but need then to there's... go edit my student film. <laughs> oh. uh, but no, I will say that like, especially with games being in this weird place in all of art right now and in the discussion of everything, like you have games that are purely made to be competition. You have yep. games that are esoteric like this. You have games that are more mainstream. Like there's just so much to the genre or to the medium trying to figure itself out right now. Yep. Yeah. That That's why I feel like we don't get pretentious games as much like everything a24 makes i would argue has a bit of pretentiousness of course yeah. but i love and, most and of they're my movies. favorite studio yeah. making anything right it's, now. but so i t i totally agree with you on that point where i am excited to just have a thing that i don't know how i'm gonna react to yep. right now i mean you look at metal gear solid 5 which is a game made by an auteur who was like sort of very clearly had an overbearing studio Telling him what he could and couldn't do. It had and an entire got, economy yeah. of microtransactions yeah. jammed into it and like a tacked on and he, iPad game. And, and he didn't finish it. And he, had yeah. a, he had to leave before, he had to skip town before it was done. He's also been saying since two that he wanted to make other games, not Metal Gear games. Yep. And so he's been kind of quietly Trojan horsing those in there. And so now you take the opposite scenario where you say, take <laughs> Rise, that. It's soccer. You know, you take that same auteur who's now a pun Punisher Snake or whatever, and you throw him <laughs> out in the wild and then you go no one is really getting in your way anymore. I mean, I, I doubt anyone from Sony corporate is being like, well, can, you, can you turn the baby into a dragon? <laughs> like, I don't think so. With that what if he had Sackboy's face? Exactly. Just hear me out. <laughs> that is the worst visual. I don't even want to think about yeah, that. We, just, uh, we got the data back uh, from the focus groups, and they said they uh, didn't understand or like any of it. Kojima would too probably bad. be like, great, I would, good. great yeah. I would kill to read what the focus groups are oh, saying about God, this one. Yeah. That would be so tremendously fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Just people be like, hey, what's going on with the baby and the ropes? Yeah. yeah. I don't uh, get it. Uh, New yeah. York here. <laughs> Comic books. Go through the whole rigmarole if you yeah, want. Do oh, no, you're good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, yeah, it's crazy to have that coming up this fall. Sony's fall lineup this year is so fascinating to me because it's that Concrete Genie and Medieval remake as mm -hmm. of right now that we know on the first party front or Sony three, three jewels in the crown PS4 exclusive Gamescom is just around the corner yeah that's right it might be a nice time for some surprises Who that knows? wouldn't be too bad if that happens but before we get to Gamescom and everything else coming out this fall I thought we could also first talk about a few of the games that we're playing um, I know we mentioned Wolfenstein but has anyone been playing anything else they want to bring up anything You've maybe oh. completed recently. Oh, I was I was laying it up for Max, but Lucy, you go. Yeah, thanks. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to I just want to quickly. So I have been playing when primarily Wolfenstein. <laughs> um, 
if, yeah, around 15 hours of Wolfenstein. But yesterday I hopped back into Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I have Ooh. not touched since last year. And it was funny because I was meant to like, the, I was meant to stealthy, stealthy infiltrate a camp or whatever, you know, like a fortress. Mm-hmm. And you know when you haven't played a game for several months <laughs> and you're just yeah. like, and like all the nuances and the little kind of finite details that you know, like the back of your hand after playing, you know, like, I'm going to call my horse and you drink three potions. By <laughs> and, like, and now I'm sick. What, a, what game am I playing? That's exactly what I did. So I, like, I was creeping around and then I just sort of leapt off into the middle of the camp and like stabbed some guy and he wasn't dying. And I just kept stabbing him. And then everyone like started swarming over me. And I was like, ah, and just that like. Is, that is a very legacy Assassin's Creed experience. Yeah. yeah I find like, that's that. how I used to play those games normally is just be like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Don't me to push that button. It's me. Well, with Origins and Odyssey especially, <laughs> I, I take every camp that way where I just go and fight because I find yeah. it more than ever because they've now built these worlds to not be vertical but more flat and more just something to traverse. It's less of an opportunity to sneak around or it's less fulfilling because whereas in the older games it was like, I'm going to figure out how to get around this weird Italian complex. Now it's like there's a bush over there or a fence. Yeah. I mean, okay, you get I'll the Far Cry stab. problem where you like, you've, you've got this pile of bodies and you're like, it's still playing the intense music, and you're like, "Where is the other man?" And yeah. there's like a guy with an <laughs> axe behind a barn. He's just like running <laughs> in place. And, like, and you go stab him, and then it's like, "Pa pa pa!" And you're like, "Okay, yep. great job, yep. everybody." And at one point, I did set myself on fire, and yep. I was like, oh, yeah. "Just I've completely roll. forgotten how to play this game." Yeah, I rewatched uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and I was like, "I want to jump back into Spider-Man. It really makes you feel like I want to feel like Spider." And I jumped back in there, and then immediately you jumped off the building. Father. And I just landed on the ground, and I was just like running, and I was like. How do you even sprint? I can't, I can't, I played this for like a minute. Like I dude, I got shot in the face by three guys. Someone came over and just punched me in the face and I was dead. I just like immediately closed it. And I was like, Spider-Verse is a great movie. I liked that game when it came out and I was playing it in one sitting and then, and I don't remember how to play anymore. It's fair. Yeah. It's so, it's, I love that, that problem. Yeah. The number of games I've never finished because I went back to them six months later and didn't know how to play them. This, this yeah. is, this is why my pitch for next gen is that every single game has like the movie theater or TV show announcer guy and he's like, previously on Spider-Man. And it yeah. just gives you a like forty second recap, and, and like, then also just shows you the controller scheme yeah. and yep. like all the buttons yep. and how to play because yeah. you've completely forgotten. This is why I've never finished a Dark Souls. Apart from Bloodborne, this is why I've never finished a Souls game. It's because I put it down and I'm like, oh, I'm distracted by something else shiny, and yeah. then I pick it up again. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm so e- just eagerly awaiting just whenever I jump back into Bloodborne and then have to learn how to play it again. That's going to be a great time. I'm looking <laughs> forward I, to it. When I took, I took, I was like crushing through Sekiro and I took like a one month break because I was traveling and I came back and I was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) all the men are everywhere and they all want me dead yeah. Uh, well, Max, you came back to a game recently <laughs> yeah. and finished Resident uh, Evil 2. I played Resident Evil 2. I, I burned through the, uh, what's her face? Um, Claire's, yeah. Claire's side of it. I still haven't messed with Leon and then, I don't know, I, I'll probably get back into that. But yeah, that I love that game. That's really wonderful. Um, I, I don't know. We, I think we're talking about how like I just love in good environments in games. And that one is like just so good. Like it's just such, they just nail it. Like there's like just back hallways that have the most just pristine detail, even though it's like a boring place. You're like, this is where they keep the copy machine. And you go in there, you're like, it's spooky now. You did a good job. There's a bunch of like, yeah. We we were just, we were just talking about how in Japanese games in particular, and I think across Japanese culture in general, um, you know, there's such a, a, a beautiful attention to detail that you don't really find elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, Resident Evil 2 is a really fantastic example. Both the remake and the original is a really fantastic example of 
going through a really what could be called like a really mundane environment, like a police, you know, police building. Um, and just every single room has a purpose for being there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like every single part of that environment mm-hmm. has has a place. And the storytelling, it's not even environmental storytelling because I, I, I'm i so sick of the stuff where you just like, it's always picking up like voice recordings and it's like, oh, man, things have gotten really worse since <laughs> my wife ran away and I hope that this voice recording finds her. And you're like, shut up, just skip it, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then Ari definitely has like, you know, notes left around where it's like, Things sure are getting bad since all those zombies showed up. And like that's there sure is true. Can't my, wait my for favorite, the birthday party. My favorite yeah. note in RE great. history is like there's this dude and he's just like, wow, it's really getting weird out here. Anyway, I'm gonna go to bed. And then it's like the next day and he's like, I dude tried to bite me. That was really messed up. And the next day he's like, he straight up bit me. And the next day he's like, I got bets got uh, itchy tasty, itchy tasty, itchy tasty. <laughs> like he just looks. It's also four it's pages so, in. It's so he's redundant. Like, I can't do it anymore. It's so redundant because you're already exploring this like 3D fully realized world where you've fought zombies right out the gate. Yeah. Mm. So to find like somebody's like fucking text, sorry, text transcript of like a zombie apocalypse, you're like. <laughs> Okay, cool creative writing project. I also imagine during the like this is the thing. This is the hilarious thing about video game environmental storytelling. When it's done like it's done it can be done so well and sometimes it can be done through notes and voice recordings. But um like the notes are just like because imagine you're in that situation. (laughs) You're just like well, yeah. So today, dear diary. dear diary, Lucy, here's the thing: we all we're all dunking on this right now. All of us know people who would vlog through the last moments <laughs> of their transition into yep. Beast Man. True. It's What's up, everybody? True. Tuning in for the final days of the apocalypse. <laughs> the last, the last like day, they're just like, this is great content. Get five stars. Like, share, subscribe. I would love a self-aware like note series of notes in one of these games that's just like just decided to start my diary today can't wait to log the rest of my life day oh, two wow. I just love the idea so I decided ah, ah, but like ah. holding it up quite like steadily you know like ah. I mean that's that is a whole <laughs> somebody FaceTimes him and he tries to eat his phone that is like the whole new thing of, of right. creepy pasta where there was yeah. there was a, a thread of like Twitter videos or Twitter photos I saw where somebody was they had to house sit in like the scariest house <laughs> and it was about like spending the night in this place where like the doll's head is moving and it was just it just keeps going and you're just like riveted and you're like this is totally somebody bored house sitting or just visiting their grandmother I don't even know but they've crafted the narrative and the fact that it's got that like level of voyeurism is so so scary yeah. but when it's like a text file in Resident Evil you're like I already fought zombies yeah. the zombies are <laughs> there I can see them I had a, uh, a <laughs> things are getting bad I things are getting real bad <laughs> Lyft driver during E3 who was listening to an audiobook version of Creepypastas that were essentially notes left behind. It was like a diary, and the person was like, I lent my friend a copy of Resident Evil 2. He finished it in two nights. We talked about it the next day, and he said, I've never played that game. And it was just this weird... Like, That's meta. It was like glitches in the Matrix was the thing right. about it, but it, right. it was specifically about Resident Evil. Like that's, that's Karen's secret. been dead for forty years. <laughs> that's the secret with good creepypasta is it has to take like mundane, normal things you're familiar with. Where you're like, oh, Resident Evil Two. I played that game. I was pretty good, aside from those notes. You know. Yep. I do love the fact that they acknowledge how completely nonsense it is for a police station to have all these statues and stuff. Yeah. And There's like, so much funny stuff in that game. They're, where like, they're just like, did you find the key? 
in the art room and you're like cops have an art room <laughs> yeah but also that's what makes it so unnerving yeah. like well, that's that's one of the reasons why it's so like even though it's nonsense and like I, so you good. play through that game it's like it is it is nonsense that there's like a big statue of a guy with two scales and you have to put a jewel in the scales and yeah whatever and it's just like that's crazy but like it's it's still really unnerving that it's there yeah yeah well, i love that they have like one note that's like Pretty wild, this police station used to be an art museum. Well, anyway, here are the financial proceedings <laughs> for this quarter. And you're like, huh? everyone here has got like really bad ADD and I can't yeah. love it. But um, no, I played through that whole, um, well, half that game. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I'm I'm going to jump in and do the, the Leon stuff too at some point. But like, it just made me excited for control. Just yeah. more like facility nonsense. I can't wait for that. Yeah. 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 But that game completely just, it just nails that like attention to detail where they're like, I was like, oh, wow, you really got like, that is a convincing coffee cup or whatever yeah it's just a great sense of space in a game goes so far and away for me like i would rather a smaller very well detailed space than a the biggest world you've ever explored yeah also, me too mr x is the funniest goddamn villain in a yeah. game because he's just he just, <laughs> he just shows up look like like the guy in the neighborhood watch sign and he's like you're like what is he gonna do and he comes up and he just punches you in the face. <laughs> punches you right in the face and then you can shoot his little hat off and he goes I down love on the one shooting knee. the hat the off. He his little hat off and he goes on one knee and he's just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> But you got to admit, he's terrifying. He he's so scary. Oh, he's so scary. But he's also, the first few times he's also he annoying. Like, freaked out. He's so annoying. Oh, he's like, really he's annoying. He's, he's a cool bully. He's so scary. He's a big, like, he's a big just, bully. I love that they basically, like, just, this is one of the reasons why I love Resident Evil 2. It's because, it's, you know, sort of horror simulators became a thing Became a real sort of more mainstream horror genre, like much later, like with Slenderman and Outlast. like the Outlast games. But Resident Evil Two, um, you know, was kind of doing it back then. Yep. And like you've got this incredible horror experience in general, incredible survivor horror experience with this kind of horror simulator aspect. It's just like it's an onslaught to the senses. Yeah. It's also like there's a lot of rules to that game with zombies, where like if you walk through a door, the zombies like, oh, I don't remember where that man went. Well, anyway, I'll just live in here forever for the rest of the game. But Mr. X is just like, I'm here in the stairwell. <laughs> I, when, once he shows up, like, in there, I don't want to spoil it, but there's, when we have before, but he shows up in certain areas of the game where you're like, this is an area where nobody, w- yeah, where no one would ever do this to me. And he's yeah. like, what about me? <laughs> he's like, damn it, he's here. Because that's definitely how he talks. He's yeah. so but also, like, I probably would not have been brave enough to get into that game if that entire character hadn't been ruined with memes for me that's mm-hmm. fair just all of the stuff yeah. where he's just, the poking his head. yeah he's just poking his head through doors being like hello <laughs> where's my hat you took my hat uh brian have you been playing anything else besides wolfenstein no yes, just mostly that now. yeah cool. i'm i'm gonna jump in some stuff this weekend but it's one of those times where there's like a lot coming out yeah but i also just want to play the things i've missed out on for i just got a code episode. for forager oh yeah i really want to check out. out yeah um, I hear it's better than better than the three Azure. Mm. Moving on from that, uh, I had some other topics planned, but first I want to get to the listeners and viewers at home because, of course, this is episode 600, celebrating the history of the show, and the audience is, of course, a tremendous part of that. Uh, so a few people have written in to beyond at IGN.com, which you can do, uh, just put listener or viewer mail in the subject line. We'll read them on the show. Uh, the first one comes from Tim. Tim says, hey, Beyond Crew, I want to know what some of the things you would love for Sony to do but don't think will ever happen, a pipe dream, if you will. Personally, I would love for them to unite the library on PS5, allowing me to play the digital games I bought from the PS3 era, including the PS1 and PS2 classics. I just don't see it happening with PS Now and possible remakes, remasters in play. Anyway, I love what you guys do, and thanks for all your hard work. Is there anything you guys can... I I mean, to me, like, the uniting of the library (laughs) is probably the biggest thing I would love. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would love another dedicated portable that allows me to bring my entire console library on the go. I would love... Yeah, I would love it. I would love the combination of those two things. So you have like a dedicated portable where you could play all your favorite PS1 games and PS2 games on the go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Max. Um, Vita Classic. Something like that. I I would just feel like weirdly, like at this point, that's the, I know it's the wrong place to say it, but I think the Switch has become the proper Vita too. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of usurped that and it's taken a lot of the games and it's become the place for a bunch of like, you know, last gen stuff and cute little indie stuff, and I don't. But doesn't don't have Spider Man and God of War. That would be cool and to play on the go. Souls. No, if I mean, if if the PS Five was basically just like a HD Sega Nomad, where they were like, "Hey, remember last gen's games? Well, guess what? You get them on the go now. Yep. That would be great." You know, presumably not taking like sixteen AA batteries would be good, <laughs> but um, no, I think that the United Library thing is a, is a, is a big deal. <clears throat> yeah. um, I. There's part of me that's going to be like, yeah, your purchases from last gen are totally going to carry over, and you'll be able to play them. You know, I f- if they if they pull like a Wii U type thing, and they're like, you can pay three dollars for each of those. I'm just going to be like, <sighs> so. yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I I'm very curious because they have not specifically said what the backward compatibility is going to be like right. when it comes to the PS5. So also, if it launches with a uh, PSVR too. There's a bundle for that. They'll yeah. with it. I doubt that yeah. will happen. But yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a little further down the line. But yeah, we'll see how next gen plays out for that. Uh, Avi wrote in and at, said, thank you all so, so much for putting on such a consistently amazing show. Your dedication, hard work, and passion. Stop it, Max. Really shine through everything you do. I used to host it. I can say that. <laughs> My girlfriend and I loved to game together. We played a lot of paper magic, but started Persona 5, my favorite game recently. She doesn't own a PS4, and we usually only get a substantial amount of time together on the weekends, so I'm looking for some advice. How do we cooperatively play a 100-plus-hour RPG together, and are there any tricks to share on some kind of streaming setup so we can play regularly? Thanks again for everything you all do. Much love. Ooh, I have an answer for this. Yeah. Uh, Hook her up with remote play. Let her borrow a controller. Oh, yeah. And then just, like, Skype or Discord with her while she's playing. Yeah. It's now available for PC and Mac. At least PC. Maybe Mac also. Yeah. Yeah, I've never done this with anyone, so I have nothing. I mean, it's a turn-based game, so it's not like you're going to be, like, dying because of Twitch stuff, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, let her, you know, you could, I guess, wait. So if somebody, if somebody's playing remotely on your, on your console, you have your TV on hooked up to your console, does it, like, show them playing your game from a distance? I don't know, actually. Because you could be, like, on the phone effectively, like, I I don't know if that, I haven't done that. Do androids dream of electric (laughs) (laughs) sheep? But no, I don't know, like, just, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, let let her have the the login. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To your PSN. Set stuff. up a private Twitch or YouTube stream that you just share a link to, and you can yeah. just talk on the phone and be able to watch that stream. Um, yeah, I think I, I mean we don't do it long distance, but my girlfriend and I play a lot of especially long games together, and usually we if we're playing together in the same place, it's usually sort of the thing of like whenever someone dies, do that, or every time we level up or complete a specific like story mission, we'll switch the controller over. Um, so at least when you're playing together, I feel like that's a reasonable way to go. But otherwise, yeah, just figure out a way to share the private YouTube stream, Mm -hmm. I guess would be the way to go. Uh, Anyway, moving on from that, Thomas said, hello, Beyond Crew, and congratulations on 600. I hope there are 600 more. Um, That would be a very far away in the future. I think someone wrote in and said that's like Mm 2030-something, which I haven't even thought about. That's what I hosted. Hosted by Greg Miller's son. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it will be. 
Uh, my name is Tom from Long Island. Sounds like a certain host's neck of the country. Yes, it is. Tom from Long Island. Long Island. Uh, Long Island. Long Island. Say it. I love your iced teas. We don't drink those. We drink Arizona. So I recently got myself a PS4, my first PlayStation, since the PS2, and my question is now that I have initiated myself back into the swing of things, what is the order I should play of these exclusives? Oh, play I the order last. I currently own Spider-Man, God of War, Horizon, The Last of Us, all four Uncharted's, Shadow of the Colossus, never played on PS2, and Ratchet and Clank. Damn. Feel okay. free to add any others you think I should play. Thank you, you and good luck oh, on the next that's, 600. That's tricky because do you start with the most kind of incredible one mm -hmm. and then everything else will be like a little bit of a letdown? Yeah. Or do you build your way up to the most? I mean, like one thing here is that you've got like – the Last of Us and God of War and Shadow, to a degree Shadow of the Colossus, which are actually quite like emotional experiences. Then you've got like more sort of uh, hero fantasy stuff like Horizon Zero Dawn and Spider-Man um, and Uncharted. Yep. So I feel like the way to do it is probably to like do one kind of, you know, gut punching one. And then a palate cleanser. And then yeah. a palate cleanser yeah. and uh, then one gut punching one. I would say balance it out and have two going at all times. Because um, a lot of these are also That's open good. world with lots yeah, of side quests that will take a while. Horizon is a long game. Spider-Man is a long game. God of War is pretty long. You might uh, get confused, though. Like, how do you shoot the webs in God of War? <laughs> hey, if you're trying to get back in the swing of things, what better way to do it than Spider-Man? Uh, my personal suggestion also would be, depending, like, I think it really comes down to how, much, uh, how quickly uh, you get burnout uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to certain things. Like, I would recommend not playing all four Uncharted's in a row. Yes, I agree. Uh, unless you are someone who likes to just mainline a thing, then you go could ahead. probably I, skip one. Yeah, at this point, uh -huh. it's uh, that's short enough. It's fun. Play it on the easiest setting if you want to yeah. play through it. Yeah, I, I would say um, it's also probably a good idea to switch between story-driven stuff and crazy giant open-world stuff. Horizon Zero Dawn is the kind of game that you might sink eighty hours into. Like you might just go find all the hidden coffee mugs and everything, like all the <laughs> nonsense. It just keeps going, and there's DLC and everything. Um, Spider-Man's a pretty chunky one, too. If you, I think I put 40 hours into that game. Yeah, you can yeah. pretty easily, yeah. especially with the DLC. It gets up there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would say especially like something like The Last of Us, you may play over the course of two or three nights just mainline. Yeah. Something like Ratchet and Clank is a good happy thing after that. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> even just like when you hit those really just big gut punch moments in Last of Us, jump over to Ratchet and Clank and just be a cute little animal for a little mm -hmm. bit. I would start around. with God of War or The Last of Us. I think that those are two, two like just they really sort of exam exemplify what where PlayStation is these days. Yeah, you know, I think that's God, Last really of Us is five years old. You know, it's getting a sequel soon. Um, yeah, start with one of those big giant ones. Yeah. I think those work as good bookends too, yeah. especially like if you start with one, try playing the other toward the end of you yep. trying to catch up with all these. What or, a wonderful problem to have, Yeah, or, right? Jump into the one that seems the most appealing to you at the same time as the one that you find least interesting and I like that. see which grabs you. I see that question yeah. thrown around a lot about like, oh, what if you could like erase your memory of a video game and play it again for the first time? And this guy just has that with all of these. Yeah, like, yeah. it's kind of crazy. I'm pretty envious. Mm -hmm. uh, moving on from that, Jack said, Hello, Beyond Crew. Recently, a mobile game by the devs of Journey released, and it's amazing. Sky Children of the Light is easily one of the best mobile games I've ever played. Beautiful art style and music. The gameplay is similar to Journey, but it's in an always online world, so you can see other players wandering around and can interact or team up with them whenever you want. Some parts even require you to complete tasks together. Oh, and all of this 
completely free, no energy bar, no time limits, and no intrusive microtransactions. I thought you could give it some love on Beyond because I know many people write off mobile games, but this one is truly something special. Um, I believe this is coming to consoles. I downloaded this at Comic-Con stupidly thinking like, oh, I'll have plenty of time to play this. <laughs> I didn't know it came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, it came out out that's of That's part of the problem yeah. with mobile games is that they just drop spontaneously when Apple's not busy announcing new phones or whatever. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I mostly brought this up as a PSA to everyone and myself of Journey is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they have a new game. That, that's what they've been working on since then, and mm-hmm. I probably should check it out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I saw Destin, I think, playing it in the office for some capture, and it looks beautiful. But, yeah, it's one of those things where I don't know if my old phone will run it well. I wonder how much you need of, like, an iPhone 10 or whatnot. What is that, a 7? Uh, 6S. So. It's a, I will say it's, like, probably one of the most, like, sort of beautiful iOS games ever made in terms of art direction specifically. It's a, it doesn't look like anything else on that platform. I see a lot of people being like, this new retro game looks like a mobile game. And I feel like that's a little hyperbolic, but this does not look like what people generally perceive to be a a mobile game. Yeah. I always, I mean, I always worry a little bit when developers make games for mobile that are like prestige games, because it's just like, you know, you're putting so much resources and so much, um, I don't know, I, resources is the wrong word, but, like, you, you, I just feel like people don't necessarily want prestige products on mobile. No, and one of the first things this game does when you start it is it prompts you to run and find headphones. And I think yeah. for a lot of people, that's just, like, they're like, but I'm on my phone. I don't yeah. want to do that. You know, this is what I, like, I play stupid touch games with this. I'm waiting in line at the store. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just yeah. have 10 minutes to kill, and it's like, no, I just want to kill it. some brain cells. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, turn it sideways, and turn down the lights, and put your headphones <laughs> in, and hook it up to your television, <laughs> and then um, connect a controller via Bluetooth, and pretend it's a console game. They're like, can you put it on consoles? And they're like, yeah, yeah we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, if this comes to consoles, I feel like it'll probably be a great fit for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see what sort of life that has. I believe it is. <clears throat> Don't quote me on that. If only I had a computer in front of me to look it up. There's no way of knowing, really. It's a shame. Uh, it's impossible to find information. On moving internet. on from that, I wanted to read some wonderful memory card stories. Anyway, Memory Card is our weekly segment where we read stories from you, the listeners and viewers at home, of your favorite, funny, silly, weird, sad, whatever memories uh, in your PlayStation gaming life, uh, and talk about them on the show. And obviously, with this being 600, wanted to celebrate all of our weird gaming memories. So have a few to read this week. The first one comes from Trey. Trey wrote into beyond at IGN.com and said, Hi, Jonathan and crew. My name is Trey, and I have loved watching you guys for years and have really enjoyed watching you run the show, Jonathan. Thank you. Congrats again on the promotion. Oh, thank you also for that as well. I swear I didn't read this for all of the kind words. You're so beautiful and <laughs> handsome. Thank you. My memories of watching you on the show. Uh, my memory card is rather funny in hindsight, but was one of the heavier sibling moments in my childhood. Once when I was about 10 or 11, I was playing Final Fantasy X2. Fun fact, I never played 10, but my mom got it for me without much thought about it. And I had been playing for a few hours. My sister, who at the time... D- Uh, excuse me, did play some games, was furious and impatiently telling me that she wanted her turn on the PlayStation so she could play Spider-Man 2, which we both begged our mom to get since we loved the movie so much. I had already beaten Spider-Man 2, so I wasn't keen on watching her play through it. If I'm being honest, I wasn't the best gamer older brother. I was always (laughs) hogging the consoles and got mad while she was even slightly over her playtime. Knowing that, I'd say I earned what happened next. I told her no and to go away. In a fit, she toppled over our 30-inch CRT TV off of my dresser and straight onto my head. 
The TV being the tank it was was totally fine. I, however, got a small cut on my head and angrily chased my sister all over the house until my parents punished both of us and took away our consoles for a month. Since then, we've been a lot less hostile and much more supportive. I'd help her through tough spots in games, and when she fell off from gaming, I would try to get her back in from time to time. Thanks again for constantly being such great faces to see and voices to hear in low times and high times alike, and I hope to hear it and see many more silly podcasts for the foreseeable future. Please excuse the typos. I had a TV I dropped on my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my wow. god, that's amazing. I mean, like, shocking, but also siblings. Has which, anyone... yeah. which prison do you think his sister's in now? <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone sustained a physical injury while playing games? Uh, sports. Okay. Sports games, or you mean like physical sports? I've had three concussions from Not playing bad. sports wow. games. Playing actual sports from like not video games. That doesn't, that doesn't count. Can you rank them? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, She's a features I, editor. I was test. playing an original NES during a. Look, that's not true. I have a concussion. <laughs> I was playing an original Nintendo uh, during a thunderstorm, and lightning struck, and I got a very large shock. Oh. oh. That was fun. You there was struck a, by lightning? No, I got electrocuted <laughs> by a Nintendo during a lightning storm. I don't think I got, I could have, I don't know. That would explain there, a lot. There was a thing that we used to tell, people used to tell each other to do in like the 80s and 90s to the, on the RF switch that you would plug into your Nintendo or Super Nintendo. If you stuck the tip of your child tongue right into the little <laughs> hole at the top, it would zap you because it was <clears throat> connected to your wall. But also yeah. like you always wanted to do that. Like I um, licked um, an aerial. Like yeah. I put my little child tongue on an aerial because I was like, that. eh, I need to, <laughs> I need to know what happens. And of course, I got a little electric shock. You know why? Because getting electrocuted in cartoons is amazing. You get to see your skeleton, <laughs> Real and you're life. fine. It's, it's gr- like a, a weird great five fuss. seconds. And as a child, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> my reviews of getting electrocuted. <laughs> What are we talking about? <laughs> lock to IG. Spider-Man. CRT TV is hitting mm-hmm. you in the head. Oh. Uh, Trey, glad you survived. I liked it. Uh, he was like, his little sister's like, I want to play Spider-Man. I want to beat up criminals. And he's like, quiet, not now. I'm reenacting my pop star fantasies in this resplendent <laughs> world filled with beautiful haired women. It's like <laughs> and then she hulked out. Yeah, yeah. she threw Heard a TV him. at yep. him. And <laughs> Uh, this next one comes from Rob with two B's. Rob wrote in and said, Hi, Jonathan, the Beyond Crew. It's probably not as good as many of the other memory cards shared. Don't ever say that. Uh, so I thought I'd shared mine anyway. Uh, I've always been a PlayStation fan. And I've owned all the different home console PlayStations. My memory card starts in university. After a drunken night out with housemates, I came back and decided to play some Assassin's Creed 2. However, in my drunken state, I decided I would try and be a horse assassin. <laughs> One of my housemates sat on my bed next to me and started to berate me about killing the innocent horses. Fast forward 10 years, and that drunk girl angry at me for killing innocent horses is now my fiance. And we have shared some amazing PlayStation memories, including watching me play through all the Metal Gear Solid games so she could understand the story. The Last of Us, to name a couple as well. Uh, She has even become a backseat gamer and can tell me what I need to do when I am stuck. Uh, I remember being stuck on LEGO Dimensions while she was on the phone, and she stopped halfway through her conversation to tell me which character I needed to solve that puzzle. Uh, She now has her own PS4 originally so we can play Overwatch together at home, but also building up her own collection of games and a backlog. Long story short, I found my lifelong gaming partner by killing digital horses in Assassin's Creed 2. Thanks for reading this and for all the great work beyond Rob from England. That was a beautiful uh, That's story. great. And that's how you beat a dead horse. <laughs> uh, stalling, stalling. Moving on from that, wanted to read... That's a very good story. Anytime, yeah. yeah. Um, Chad also wrote in to beyond.igm.com and said, Hello, Beyonders. I have a story that does, in fact, involve a memory card. Growing up as the older brother to a sibling with autism, I was expected to help my parents take care of my brother at an early age, and I should say, having read the story, uh, 
Some sad things follow, uh, just as a heads up. After school and every summer, I was expected to babysit. Luckily, my brother would love nothing more than to sit and watch me game for hours, so this was my go-to tactic. Over the years, I found ways to keep him engaged, even if I didn't often pass him the controller. But the most surefire way to keep his attention to play any game was with games that had trains in them. When I was about 13 and him 10, our favorite game to play was Grand Theft Auto 3. While I would run around gunning down mobsters and carjacking old ladies, my brother took a more peaceful route. If I ever set down the controller or left my PS2 unoccupied, I'd find him peacefully walking to the train station so he could just simply ride the train. I realized he learned how to find the train uh, from anywhere in the game world, and for the first time, I saw him truly as a gamer like his big brother. However, finding the train wasn't the only thing he learned to do in GTA. He also learned how to navigate the game menu to where the game saves were, and he kept deleting them. He was constantly sneaking into my room and always found a way to delete my saves. I'd save multiple copies to my memory card and all of them would be deleted. I would back up duplicate saves on multiple memory cards and somehow he would find them and delete them. After a while, my mom got so tired of my constant complaining that she bought him an Xbox and his own copy of GTA 3, which I was not allowed to touch. Now he could wander around the city and ride the trains all he wanted. My brother passed away a little over 10 years ago, and I'm often thinking of all our gaming memories I shared with him and wishing he was still around to experience all the new, innovative, and increasingly accessible games that are being made these days. I love him and miss him and would happily let him delete any game saves he wanted if I got to play with him again. Thanks for the awesome show. Keep up the good work. Chad. Uh, thank you, Chad, so much for sharing that with oh, us. Shit, um, Chad, that yeah, was really. beautiful. Uh, yeah, I know it's really beautiful. I know that, that was, stuff yeah. can be tough to share and we really appreciate appreciate you sharing that with us and yeah. all the audience um yeah i think a lot of us have had great gaming memories with family members or very close friends who we consider family and it is always a wonderful wonderful thing to be able to share those stories with one another and i love this segment because we can jump from killing horses in assassin's creed 2 and finding love to sharing uh gaming memories with your brother um so thank you to everyone who wrote in hey everybody happy 12 years and 600 episodes of podcast beyond Wow, I can't believe I just said that. That's 12 years and 600 episodes. It's an incredible amount of time to pass. I am humbled that I was a part of that podcast in the very beginning. I still remember, which is also my favorite podcast beyond memory, I still remember the first episode when I sat down with Greg Miller and Chris Roper and Jeff Haynes and we hashed it all out. We figured out what the format of the podcast would be and kind of made it up on the fly as we went along. But the fact that it started something so important in the lives of so many listeners and readers of iGen and those who maybe even never came to the site at all means a lot to me personally. And I just want to give a special shout out to uh, Justin Daly, who was the fan at iGen, who came up with the name Podcast Beyond, along with all of the other Podcast Beyond uh, members, past and present, uh, Jonathan, Lucy, Max, Colin, Clements, all of you guys, and many many more have uh, made the show what it is today. Uh, Here's to another 12 years, another 600 episodes, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. Congratulations. Beyond, my transition from guide writer to professional loudmouth really began with the rotating third chair on Podcast Beyond. I'll never forget it. The opportunities I were afforded there changed my life. It also led to some of those hilarious and ridiculous and occasionally insightful conversations that I've had an opportunity to be a part of. Beyond is a marvelous institution and tradition. Happy six hundred Beyond. What's up, John Dorno? It's your boy Barrett Courtney back from the dead here for this special uh, entry of memory card for beyond episode 600 quick congratulations to everybody involved with episode 600 it's crazy that y'all have made it this far just another 66 episodes and uh, y'all will be on your way. If you don't know who I am and what my connection to Beyond is, it's very understandable. I was the producer of Beyond for the year of 2018, maybe minus like 
the first two episodes of 2018, but I produced Beyond for most of uh, last year, uh, and I was on a couple of episodes and, and whatnot. And so um, he wrote in and he wrote he texted me and he was like, "Yo, Barrett, share a a." good PlayStation memory or a good Beyond memory. And if you know me, I like to talk, so I'm going to do both. Uh, really quick, uh, my favorite PlayStation memory, I have to say, is my first time going through the Uncharted series leading up to Uncharted 4. I didn't own a PS3, and so I picked up the Nathan Drake collection based off of the demo for for it on PSN. Uh, there was like a quick like 30-minute thing for Uncharted 2, I believe. It's like when you're doing the rooftop stuff and being chased by the helicopter. And it felt so epic. I was like, all right. I got I got to finally play these games. A million people have told me to play them. I'm finally playing them. And so I played the first three Uncharted's, I want to say just a, a few months, maybe half a year before Uncharted 4 uh, came out. And it quickly became one of my favorite uh, game series in general, uh, very, very quickly. And yeah, to, to see the kind of um, the growth of the series through each iteration and to become so connected to, to Nathan Drake and uh, his his cast, his crew uh, that he journeys with, it, it was just really fun, uh, really fun. Um, Chloe is still best girl. Uh, and then my favorite Beyond memory, I will have to say, there, there, there's a few. I'm cheating here. Um, but I would have to say that it was just producing, just in general, producing the show with uh, with Dornbush. I, I produced in kind of like a bunch of different eras. Like I, I came in at the tail end of uh, Max and Brian, like being the, the ho like the main host. And then I, I was thankful to be around when uh, Jonathan took the ship over. And uh, it, it, was, it was just a lot of fun uh, sitting next Next to him and um, us, like kind of coming up with uh, dumb ideas. We had a lot of uh, podcasts within podcast ideas. There was one uh, called Bike Chat, I believe. We've seen a lot more. It's made me much more excited about the game. We've also seen the bike a lot more. Bike Let's chat. Do some quick bike chat. Bike chat. Welcome to Bike Chat, the <laughs> podcast within a podcast. I'm your host. Bike McDornbush. Oh, very good. Wow, nice. not a great name. No, it's us. not. Bike I blame I like my it. parents. It's better than it needs to be the street John. you grew up on and your dog's name. Bike McDornbush. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It worked out that way. And it went nowhere. And then there was another one. We 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 had this thought as an actual series where we were going to do uh, Beyond Versus, which was going to be like a mini debate series. So obviously, we have the IGN reviewer here to tell us what he thinks about the game. Barrett, however, has some different thoughts, and you can tell that because I changed my pitch so much when I said Barrett's name. Why, and are, you, why are you pulling out a To time? deal with that, don't worry about it. Uh, to deal with that, we're going to introduce a little bit of a new segment here on Beyond. Uh, Beyond Versus. Fight. Hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dorbush. I am your moderator for this segment of Beyond Versus. That also went nowhere. Uh, but it's cool to, to listen to the show now and to see all these like little segments that Dorn, uh, Dornbush has come up with uh, without me because he I, I realized that I was just holding him, dragging him down. And once I once I left, he was able to, you know, fly and uh, come up with a, a really kick ass show um, so far um, since I've been gone. Um, but yeah, it was just making the show, and it, it was really fun just to even do like uh, the little beyond chats that Dorno and I would do, and uh, to have guests come in, like Corey Barlog, uh, I think was 
the last episode I helped produce was the most recent Corey Barlog episode where it was like kind of a retrospective almost a year later for God of War. And yeah, um, shout out to that one episode of Beyond where we did live uh, at IGN uh, headquarters where I went on to the show, I think 10 beers in to talk about SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. Shout out to that memory. Um, but anyway... Uh, congrats to everybody over there uh, for Beyond Episode 600. That is awesome. I miss you all so much. Uh, if Tom Marks is on this episode, I don't miss Tom Marks. Kid's a nerd. Nah, I'm kidding. I love you, Tom. Uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for, for hitting me up and uh, letting me be on the show one more time. And until I see you next time, Beyond. What's up, Podcast Beyond? Congratulations on 600 episodes. It seems like only yesterday, or at least 600 weeks ago, I was sitting down with Jeremy Dunham, Chris Roper, Jeff Haynes to do the first Podcast Beyond. Uh, of course, Beyond's a special place in my heart. Uh, obviously gave me uh, my teeth on podcasting, gave me my first podcast to host all by myself or whatever. Uh, it was a fantastic time in my life, and of course, I love it. And I'm so happy that you guys are over there continuing the tradition. I'm so happy Jonathan Dornbush, you know, uh, somebody who listened to me do Beyond for so long, is there hosting it right now, leading the charge. Uh, I'm, of course, upset that Lucy O'Brien is there now as a permanent cast member when I'm not there because I would have loved to have worked with Lucy. But for some reason, Per Schneider was always like, we can't have both of you in the same room. I digress. Uh, my favorite podcast Beyond memory. God probably just the stupid stuff we would laugh at and be unable to stop laughing about whether it was the undertaker punching through the wall uh goldfarb eating an apple for some reason the time in the early days where when we had no idea what we were doing and jeff and i were like let's just do a drunk podcast and roper and dunham were like i guess and me and jeff really leaned into it for no apparent reason uh in terms of my favorite playstation memory of course it's pretty simple right i bought that playstation one when i got rid of my n64 because my uh, uh no mercy uh cartridge kept reset setting bought smackdown and then we went out to rent some stuff my best friend uh, poe and we ended up getting of course army men and metal gear solid and when i we put in after we played army men for all 15 minutes like this sucks and put in metal gear that was such a turning point in my life and career of what video games could be and of course what playstation was right that ps1 uh really changed uh for me what i think i comprehended as video games and i'll you know always have a special place for that in my heart also, when me and Scott Lowe went to the PlayStation 4 reveal event and the PlayStation 4 and they engraved Game Over Greggy on it, that was cool. Podcast Beyond, congratulations on 600 episodes. Jonathan, keep the ship straight. Oh, and before I go, Beyond! I thought we could also talk, uh, I know all of us have shared on the show before, but I thought we could also just talk about either PlayStation memories we've had, gaming memories in general, Beyond memories, if anyone has anything they'd like to share. Um, I will start off since I've put you all on the spot for that um, and just say, obviously, of course, uh, starting on the show for the first time, I can remember very distinctly in, I think, either the late 400s or early 500s of the show being on for the first time and just scared out of my wits. I was sitting on the edge of the table and just like, at least say one sentence, like the whole time of the show. I was like, just say <laughs> one thing. Don't be silent the entire show because that's my like natural reserve is to just be quiet and mm -hmm. not interrupt. But I was like, just have one thought for the show to share. And thankfully, I had at least three, I think. But um, it was a blast and, of course, has been a joy to be on the show every week since then uh, that I have been on and hosting. And so I'm very happy to have had these many weeks to share with all of you guys. Um, but if anyone has any other memories they'd like to share, I sure. put everyone on the spot. Uh, yeah. There's a longtime listener, friend of the show named Frank Furlano, who lives uh, right outside of Toronto in Canada, a strange country that 
some of us call America's hat. And um, Frank reached out to us via the uh, Children's Wish Foundation because Frank was sort of given a bum rap in life and has difficulty getting around. Uh, but he loves video games, and he is a brilliant, smart, just incredibly funny kid. And uh, he reached out to us to come visit him and didn't think it would happen. And he could have picked anyone in the world, um, like real, real inspiring <laughs> Actually, incredible, amazing people, and he he picked me, Greg, and Colin back in the day, and uh, instead of I don't know Michael Jordan or something, I don't know why a Canadian kid would pick Michael Jordan, but <laughs> you never know. Um, and uh, we went to his house and we surprised him, and we had dinner with his family, and we recorded an episode of Beyond, which you can go listen to. His name's Frank Furlano, and I think about him constantly. Um, it really, really touched me that I know we reach a lot of people. I know like some people leave positive comments. Some people leave negative comments. The special thing about recording with Frank was that it felt like we'd done like a hundred episodes with him. Like I was sort of just like, I, I can't wait to meet him, but I don't expect this to be a great episode because this is not somebody who podcasts for a living. And instead he was just like, bursting with energy and exuberance and enthusiasm, creativity and criticism. Just he was well-spoken, smart, knew his stuff front to back. And, um, yeah, thank, thank you, Frank. Um, hope you're still listening to the show. Uh, and yeah, we, we miss you. Thank I mean, you, Brian. on the, on the back of that, I'm just going to say, uh, you know, it can be really easy. Well, it can be really easy to get bogged down with a lot of the negativity that surrounds, uh, you know, us in our jobs sometimes, and we've talked about this, we've touched on this on, on the show and um, on our Twitter accounts and, and all that sort of thing. But I, I, I've been working at IGN since 2012, and every single time I've met any fans of, of IGN, of the show, of, you know, the, the Australian podcast that I did for several years, um, everyone was just so lovely and um, passionate and thoughtful and... Just, you know, I've never really had, I've never had a bad experience with anyone um, who I've met in real life. And I, I just, yeah, I just want to, like, I, I think, you know, the, the unspoken sort of fan base is, is, is there. And, and I, uh, it's, as, you know, this is a problem that I have as I fixate on the negative. Um, and I just want to say, you know, thank you so much to everyone who's ever said hello or, um, you know, has come up and been, and been kind because it does mean a lot to us, especially when we work on the internet, <laughs> in specialist media. Um, so, yeah, it means a lot, and it's meant a lot, uh, and it's it's why I'm still here. Thank you, Lucy. Max? Yeah, I mean, echoing that, um, it was like a, it was a just a huge, terrifying undertaking to take <clears> over the show, uh, which I don't think I was right for ever, but, like, there were, you know, and there were some, there were some mean comments, but there were, there were way more, way more positive messages and way more people saying hi and saying, hey, great job, even though that was, patently false but you know um, <laughs> but you know like it's it's really it's been you know kind of cool sort of becoming part of this, this show and and the just the the sort of the depth of every little every little memory card that we get written in every every letter people write in like just when you just sort of realize how intertwined the experience of playing a game is with real life you yeah. know and how like sometimes Sometimes you kind of check out a real life and you go into a game and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's these wonderful, fantastical little just escapes into another reality. And the fact that we can come out of those and then find other people and connect with them about those things, like whether it's, you know, talking about post-it notes in Resident Evil or, uh, 
you know, bonding with with <laughs> loved ones, friends, whatever. It's just it that's that's something really special. And it to be able to have this weird internet radio program where we reflect on all that stuff and then kind of send it out in the ether and then get these like messages back from that. It's just I don't know, that's that's how you weave together a community. And it's in this uh I don't know, increasingly sort of <laughs> fragmented world full of like weird signal and noise ratio. It's it's nice that there's still the the kind of the good the good positive feedback and mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, video yeah. games bring us together. Yeah. I will say that we get tons of memory cards. Uh the the messages, not the physical ones, sent to us. <laughs> and we only read a couple on the show, but um we we all read everyone that hits our inbox. And so yeah. Thank you for sending those. And uh, I'm definitely trying to slowly make our way through the archive of those. And if you've written in, I want to make sure we read those on the show. We just unfortunately mm-hmm. sometimes run out of time. Um, but thank you to everyone who has been sending those in. Thank you for uh, latching on to that segment. I really enjoyed the positivity that it brings, even when stories can be sad or difficult to write or say out loud. It means so much that everyone is willing to share these parts of their lives with us as we enjoy sharing the show with all of you. Um, as we wrap up sort of a hybrid outro slash one last memory card, uh, as the show wraps up in honor of how shows used to end here on beyond way back in the day, uh, I thought I'd play a song version of a memory card that got submitted to us by Sam Stringfield. So that'll play on the outro of the show. Thank you, Sam, for submitting a song memory card to us. Uh, we unfortunately didn't get too many, uh, audio memory card, so I'm not playing those on the show this week, but thank you to everyone who's contributed for that this week. Uh, and as we wrap up episode 600, I just wanted to say, and I'm probably going to get a little teary in advance, um, thank you so much to everyone who's like watched or listened or commented or said hi or favorited or whatever, just even if you haven't done any of those things and you just listen and let the download happen every week. Thank you for keeping the show alive and for letting us do the show every week. Um, I have not been part of Beyond all 600 episodes, but Beyond has been part of my life for all 600 of those episodes, whether it was as a fan listening at home who wanted to attend PAX to say hi to people on the show, to starting as an employee on the show, or at IGN, and then being on the show and saying five words, uh, to hosting the show. I've It's meant so much to me to be part of the show and to be part of this community uh, and to be part of IGN in general. Um, and thank you to all of you, especially, um, for being on the show with me every week, you know, when we can <laughs> schedules can get in the way sometimes, but, uh, I never have more fun when it is than when it's the four of us doing the show together. Um, and every week that we're together on the show, Brian, you bring so much joy and knowledge and fun to the show. And I'm so indebted for you for being on the show. Thank, Thank you for being on all the time. Lucy, I'm so happy that we were able to make you a full-time member of the show when you were able to come. Uh, the second we knew you were coming, my first question, I think I've told you this was, can Lucy, beyond beyond because she needs to be on beyond and i'm so happy that we we're able to make that happen because i can't imagine doing the show without you being here and everything you bring to it and max thank you for one being a great host whether you like to say it or not on the show before me you were really good and he's better he's really yeah, good. that's definitely true he's got the playstation passion i've got you the had shirt. a little bit but he's got a um, thank you for letting me become host of the show and for allowing me to take this role on because it means so much to me and I love that you're still able to be a part of the show because I think you bring so much to the show with your knowledge not just of gaming but like you have this tremendous brain to be able to pull from all these different art forms and enhance the things we talk about so much and you make me also laugh so stupidly much either on the show or just in general and all three of you make me a better employee here make me a better part of the show make me a better person and I'm so thankful 
to be doing this with all of you. Now I'm going to cry. Oh. I said I wouldn't, yeah, it's all but right. I will. We can anyway, all cry. Uh, thank you all so much for watching and listening to this episode beyond 600. I can't believe we actually got there. We didn't uh, skip it. We didn't. We didn't skip it. Um, as always, except for maybe this week, because it might be posting later for editing purposes, uh, Beyond normally airs every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Uh, when we're not on the show or making a bunch of videos and articles on IGN, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Brian, where are you? I'm on Twitter at Agent Bizzle, and I'm on Instagram at Brian Altano. Lucy, where are you? I'm at Luce O'Brien on Twitter and Instagram. And Max? Max Scoville on both of those things. And I am at J.M. Dornbush on both of those as well. Um, thank you again to all of you for being on the show. Thank you to everyone who's been part of the show in the past who contributed to this episode. Uh, and to all of you watching and listening at home. And as always, beyond. 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 Thank you, guys. It was a real beauty. Good to go. Going through an old box the other day One that years ago I probably should have thrown away But there was one little rectangle of gray That brought me back to different days My younger years and my PS1 To all those nights staying up till the rising sun To that first taste of three-dimensional freedom To all those games and all that fun Resident Evil 2 I beat that with both characters Crash Bandicoot Spyro and Ridge Racer Were there for me when things were hard It's all here On my memory card Middle school I got picked on all the time I spent all day staying out of those bully sights Quiet in class and in the halls and on lunch break I tried to stay hidden like solid snake grown since then but those insecurities are still buried in those deeper parts of me I've still got a couple scars it's all here on my memory card
while the bullies are in the games in the palms of hands calling out names at least back then i could still escape for kids now it gets harder every day Like a good book There's a certain transcendence that only exists in a single player experience the past the present and beyond It's all here on my memory card It's all here on my memory card. For those Ninja Turtles, Excelsior. <laughs> Guess who I saw on the subway? It was Juggernaut, <laughs> the Devil of Hell's Kitchen, Wolverine. <laughs> Marvel, DC, <laughs> Image, Dark Horse. <laughs> hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't wet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream. That's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.